Hi guys. Hello. Welcome to episode two of Bad and Busy. Hello. So, um, last week we touched on Kelsey's gut health issues, a bit of IBS, um, etc. And that's going to be a running theme every week. We're going to get an update. So, but, so we spoke a little bit about it last week and she visited a GP and whatnot, had some blood work done. Mm -hmm. This week you visited some alternative medicines. Um, What would you, is it naturopathy? What is it? So I visited a Chinese medicine practitioner. How did that go? It went swimmingly. Did it? Um, So literally just got back guys so yeah. these have been good they've been straight after my appointment yeah um so we just had a little bit of a chat and went through my blood work which was actually all normal mm. um I thought there might be a, I might be celiac or I might you know have a hormonal imbalance or something but they all came up normal um apart from the fact of like a few little bits and pieces which I won't really go into but mm. I'm fine mm-hmm. um but she also specializes in acupuncture. So I had that done and I've got some little take-home needles in there yes. at the moment. But it was quite interesting because she put one of them in my like stomach, like must be like in my digestion area or whatever. And I like cried out with pain. So it's interesting because that obviously means that there's an there's inflammation there. Yeah. Um, and there's a problem. So that was kind of weird. And then also they had a lot to do with Um, my spleen and how the spleen um, and the kidney and liver and stuff all have stuff to do with your digestion and your IBS and your general overall health. And I think a lot of us don't know anything about those areas or we just put it down to like, oh, yeah, you can get a ruptured spleen or, oh, yeah, the liver, you know, is bad if you drink alcohol because, you know, it's detoxifying and whatnot. But there's nothing – we don't really talk about it. Mm. So I think this will be an interesting – an interesting thing to watch as well. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about um, spleen, etc. Like when you get pain in your side, your mum's always like, oh, it's your kidneys, like you haven't drunk enough water. But, mm. I mean, I don't really know much about more complicated no. organs. So I'm kind of interested to see where mm. that goes. But so we kind of um, basically went through my food and I kept a food diary and um, she told me that I need to stop eating salad. Salad. Sorry, I can't have any cold foods. Saying what? Me and Jordan are going to Cronulla Golf for a beer. Oh, fucking right. This fucking shit. We'll probably keep that in. We'll definitely keep that in. That's them hurrying us along. Um, um, yeah, so, so she was like, you can't eat any more salads um, or like cold foods because it's too hard for your body to digest. That's so crazy. I've got to eat warming foods, um, you know, steamed veggies whatnot and she also said i can't eat chili which i'm fucking so sad about she's always spicy (laughs) so um coming back to it no cold salads like um no raw foods no cold mm, no cold foods you can't drink like chilled water you've got to have warm water i think it's because my body is inflamed so i need to have nourishing soothing soothing Mm warming foods that's going to help bring my gut back into balance and kind of um you know readjust everything and get it up and running and until it's better that's kind of the way that we've got to go so obviously bone broth and stuff is good she said sauerkraut's good oh yeah um but yeah all the raw and hearty and like lettuces and stuff could kind of go to swap that out for um warmer foods but she did say that i can follow the 80 20 rule so say you want to eat a leafy green or whatever um and you can have your avocado and stuff, but the cold food has to be 20%. So, I mean, it's doable. Does um does cooking the foods break down like the hush? So, yeah. like, say you wanted to have carrots, you usually have carrot sticks and, and dip for a snack. You'd have to – you're now baking your carrots. And so I, I, would I reckon it just so, breaks yeah. it down. Yeah, it makes it easier um, to digest because they're softer. I think maybe you thought you were doing the right thing. I know you eat a lot of salads and a lot of tuna as well. Yeah, she said no tuna because the mercury and we <gasps> live in already like a toxic environment oh. and that kind of thing. So especially when you're nearing your late 20s, if you want to have kids, you know, in the next stage of your life, you should start thinking about those kind of things. Um, Limiting your mercury intake. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
those fish, like they're, they're deep sea fish, they eat a lot of shit, they eat a lot of other fish. Mm. It's just not ideal. Um, so I learned a lot and I'm going to keep you guys updated. Yes. But the acupuncture I thought was really interesting because of the way that it felt at certain in certain points in my body, so like the digestive area yeah. and the spleen were I can, quite painful. I can see them in your ears as well. Mm. Mm. So you've well, got little stickies on. Yeah, so she said that like also, which is probably why they're in my ears, is you can kind of touch them when you're feeling a bit stressed or, you know, you need to calm down a bit because my yin and yang is out of balance, which I have been told before. Mm. Um which is like I'm just go, go, go. I've got way too much yang, which is the male kind of side of things. Um, I'm too stressed. I'm um, like impatient, aggressive, very um, working like at me. high speed, <laughs> if anyone knows you, <laughs> working at high speed all the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So I've got to kind of do some things like meditation, slow walking, um, yin yoga, just take it down a notch. 2019 is going to be about bringing it all back. Yeah, you're just slowing down and and not being so high paced. I don't think your gut can handle the the pace that you're running at. Sound, yeah, it doesn't sound. Doesn't like sound it. like it's keeping up with you. Mm. This is exciting, though. Yeah, and I also read an article this week, which kind of makes sense with what um, they were saying. Is that um, it was called? Do you have busy bloat? Mm. And I was like, what? Yes, Dis me. bloating. Huh? Um, basically, I was saying that you know, bloating has little to do with your eating and more to do with your lifestyle, your work-life balance, etc. But they were say they did say that like skipping a meal or fasting or consuming less can contribute because your digestion slows down and then you it becomes you know inactive, leading you to bloat more the next time you eat. So mm. you know that's me. Um, but then they said that it's also the amount of food that you consume and at the speed of which you eat when you eat alone oh yeah so say at your desk or like yeah. a, a few times during the week I eat alone um and yeah you do eat faster and you probably do eat what more. are you you're doing not, yeah what are you like, doing when you're eating alone like I so say you're having dinner alone you're just watching tv I'm working or more, yeah, yeah yeah on the computer mm. and same with me I have my lunch um at my desk most days there's literally no time to take a lunch break but the same article that you're talking about, we go on autopilot a bit mm. without eating, which they say you don't even know you're um, taking in more air and every, with every yes. bite you're not um, chewing enough. That's why they say that supermodels eat really slowly. On purpose. Yeah. I think the article said something like 20 to 30 bites, which gets your – salivary glands going which warns your stomach food is coming well, like, I also heard this week that someone said you should smell your food for like a few minutes before you eat it because that gets the saliva going too so then your digestion starts so to like work just so just wait just like cool it guys whatever. just appreciate and then commence um <gasps> yeah so I guess it's like busy bloat meh, meh, meh. but yeah, so like eating patterns aside, there, there could be more contributing to the go mm. when you're not actually with a child. Oh, yeah, actually, no, so true. Say you see all the girls' selfies, well, not all the girls, but someone that's trying to make a point of bloating. If they take a photo like at 7 a.m. and they've got uh, washboard abs and then by 9 p.m. they literally look like they swallowed a watermelon. Yeah. It's just their day-to-day something in their day, whether that be like stress, eating patterns, what they're eating, you know, um, they just get the biggest bloated belly. Well, I feel like in the article it also said something around like 60% of women are suffering bloating, like it's mm. the norm, which is pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, I've sent you so many. <laughs> so funny. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll touch back on that. Anyway, speaking of gut health, we have content manager at The Beauty Chef and integrative nutrition health coach, Ashley Lowe. She's also the founder of Lux Health and she is our special guest today. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for being here. Um, What about, what are your thoughts on gut health? There's so much to say really about gut health. I think um, the awareness for gut health and its importance has really grown in the last few years, um, but the gut health and microbiome are really at the centre of our overall health and well-being. We think of the microbiome really as the ecosystem of 
organisms that live within your digestive tract. And while we know that they're important for our nutritional needs, um, it's not just about what we're eating. It's also about how we're digesting that food and absorbing the nutrients we need. And if everything's running smoothly, then we feel great. Um, but when things aren't running so smoothly, you know, symptoms can be as varied as headaches and bloating, skin issues, mm. well-being issues. It really has such an impact on our health um, in every respect, really. And is that why you think it's become more popular because people are like, why am I feeling like this? What's what's happening? And yeah. or, or do you think it's like the rise of the microbiome becoming? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think our awareness in general, like people are becoming a bit more self-educated. Um, people, there's more information out there, I guess, you know, in terms of digital media. Um, so people are educating themselves on gut health and out of a personal need for, oh, you know, I'm feeling bloated, so I'm going to try and Dr. Google it myself. But there is also more and more research being released every day into the microbiome and how it does yeah. influence our health. Um, and while there's so much research out there, it's still ongoing and there's so much we, you know, still have to learn, I think. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and apologies if you can hear my gut grumbling. <laughs> it's going off today. Can you hear it? I can hear it. <laughs> um, so I guess how did you get into nutrition and, like, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I think on some level I've always been interested in health and wellness. I mean, growing up I was always very active, played a lot of sport, and that's kind of continued throughout my life. Um, and at the same time, I've always been a huge foodie and I love cooking. So that's always been ingrained as me as well. And I think in terms of my career, like I, I always knew I wanted to be a writer and I've just been really lucky that my interest in health and wellness has intersected with my career. So um, working as a health and lifestyle writer and especially in the last couple of roles and obviously at the beauty chef, I get to write about health and talk about gut health all day long. So I'm really lucky that, you know, the knowledge that I have and my interests intersect on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. How exactly that was something that we were going to ask. Mm. How did you get into nutrition and health and that kind of that field? I think you definitely have to have an interest in it. Um, like yeah. anything, if you're doing it day in, day out, you have to love it. Um, and often I think people fall into this industry out of a personal need or a personal health mm, condition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I started a few years ago to experience my own gut health issues and that kind of led me to my first experience of working with a naturopath. And that really opened my eyes to everything. And I thought, oh, you know, I think I'm being healthy. I'm really not being that healthy. And when I worked with her, I just started to feel better immediately. Yeah. Um, and as I say, I just was lucky working in health and lifestyle writing that you're just forced to research for the work <laughs> that you're writing about. So um, it intersected that way. But I think if you've got an interest, you know, there's so much information out there. So whether it's picking up a book or listening to a podcast, I think you can, you know, do a lot to educate yourself. Yeah, definitely. So, um, like you said, there's actually so much information floating around, but it's good to pick your brains. We were just wondering what your favourite um, nourishing ingredients are, things that help kind of soothe gut, mm. your inflamed guts and what whatnot. I think when it comes to gut conditions, um, the root of so many of them is that inflammation and a lot of it is leaky gut. So when it's, as I said before, it's not just what you eat, but what you're absorbing. So you could be thinking that you're doing everything right. You could be eating healthy fruits and vegetables, lots of raw veggies. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and salad. Yeah. Don't make friends with salad. Um, so you could be thinking you're doing everything right and still feeling awful. And that might be because everything's just passing through your system and you're not absorbing the nutrients that right. you need. Um, and often, I mean, what I've discovered, especially working at the Beauty Chef, is one of the first places that shows these symptoms is often your skin. So if your skin's breaking out or you've got a headache or you're feeling really bloated, it's often due to that inflammation. Mm. I forgot your question. No. <laughs> we forgot too. We're just like entranced. Um, can, I, can I just go back a step? Yeah. Um, when you said that you kind of wanted to go down this line of work because of mm. your own gut health issues mm. what were they and what did you discover about your healthy habits or not so healthy habits yeah so I just started having really bad stomach pain essentially and I noticed it often this was way back when I was interning um working for free <laughs> and feeling a bit stressed out about life and I started getting really bad stomach pains and I went to the doctor and they actually thought I had a stomach ulcer um, so I was put on some really, really full on antibiotics for about six weeks that seemed to make 
make the pain go away but then a few weeks later it just came back again and I don't really like taking antibiotics for long periods of time I think there's you know other symptoms that kind of manifest out of that so I had to go to a gastroenterologist and have a biopsy um, taken wow. out of my stomach so they did an endoscopy I'd also thought up until that point that I'd been um, celiac because years before that my doctor had said look you know if you're experiencing gut health symptoms maybe cut That's out the gluten first thing they said, yeah okay. so I hadn't been eating a lot of gluten for about 10 years or so but they can wow. take biopsies now to work out if you've got the gene and I didn't have the gene which was really disappointing because I'd been missing out on all this delicious years. food yeah. for so yeah. long. Also still not at the root of the cause. No exactly so they discovered that I didn't have a stomach ulcer but I had you know really severe gastritis which is essentially just inflammation um, so that's when I went down the route of working with a naturopath and the first thing she did was put me on pretty strict elimination diet so mm. cutting out all those inflammatory foods so gluten dairy, sugar. Um, nightshades, are they? Nightshades are inflammatory for some people. Um, so that's another thing, especially if you've got IBS, they can be really <laughs> inflammatory. <laughs> but I did that probably for about 12 weeks and you know, wow. she gave me lots of delicious herbs to take. But it did calm things down and my symptoms haven't really returned since then. Oh. Yeah. So what don't you eat now? I am far more relaxed these days. Um, I try to still steer clear of inflammatory foods. I don't eat a lot of gluten. I am a little bit gluten intolerant. So I know if I have, you know, a little bit, I'll be okay. But if I dose up on the carbs, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't feel so great afterwards. And again, those symptoms manifest differently for everyone. So for me, I actually get, you know, quite constipated. I feel really heavy and foggy in my brain, whereas other people it has the opposite effect. So mm. it is really oh. individual. Um, I don't eat a lot of dairy, but that's just out of personal preference. Yeah, just personal preference. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a lot of foods that have dairy in them. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I just try to stick to whole foods. Okay. Yeah. So going back to Steph's question, what when it comes to nourishment, what are your go-to ingredients? <laughs> I guess my motto is stick to whole foods. Um, you can't really go wrong. So lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, lean meat, eggs, um, olive oil, things like that. I think anything that comes in a packet is a bit dangerous. Um, so my favourite things, I mean, I don't go a day without eating avocado. I probably, Interesting. Yeah, love avocado. Eat nuts by the handful. Um, love eggs for breakfast. Yeah, okay. so pretty simple, really. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what we were going to ask your... <laughs> desk side snacks I guess to make it easy if you are mm. on the go or something something that you grab but you say handfuls of nuts and yeah things like that not processed package quick yeah. fix chips etc yeah I think um I actually think snacking in general is a bit of a trap and I know everyone is different and I used to be a huge snacker to the point where I think I was almost eating all day like, long like grazing just grazing all day long but I think once you start to eat really satisfying meals full of lots of healthy fats and lean protein, you find that you naturally don't have that inclination to snack as much. Um, in saying that, I think it's always important to be prepared. So if you've got, you know, raw nuts at your desk or a punnet of berries or something like that, you're far likely to make a healthy choice rather than turning to desperation. Yeah. Um, but I think chocolate fix. Yeah, I think we kind of eat mindlessly sometimes so maybe it's my motto is eat intuitively I don't really prescribe to certain diets and people who know me know I harp on about that all the time just take a breath before you eat and think you know what's actually going to best serve me right now what am I going to feel after I've eaten this and if it comes to snacking do I actually need that snack or am I just bored mm, yeah a bit you touched on intuitive eating mm. um can you explain this a bit more? I did read that you are an intuitive eater. So what does that entail? Does that mean listening to your body? Yeah, it sounds, um, I guess, really cliche, but it is just listening to your body. I think with the overwhelming amount of information that's out there these days, there are so many different diets. Um, <laughs> Sorry, my God, it's just gone. I don't know, going I don't know what's going on. It um, likes you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what she said. <laughs> There are so many different diets out there and I think we're all guilty of kind of using ourselves as guinea pigs sometimes, but what works for one person definitely isn't going to work for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to eating intuitively, it is just going, right, what does my body need right now? We underestimate the intelligence of our own bodies. We know what we need to feel good and feel nourished. Um, so whether that is just, you know, sometimes in the morning, for example, 
what do I feel like eating today? Some days, you know, I'll get back from the gym and have a juice and then have some eggs. Um, other days I'm like, you know what, I'm not really that hungry. I'm just going to have my juice and then maybe have a coffee later at work and some berries when I feel the need. Yeah, you kind yeah. of just, you're in tune with what your body yeah. wants. I've actually read um, there's like those tables that say what you're craving and what your means what your body needs. Mm-hmm. So like you're craving something sugary and it'll tell you on the other side, you know, what your body might be lacking in. Yeah, there is um, some research to suggest that. And there's also some exciting research, um, don't quote me on this, but um, when it comes to our gut bacteria, there's a lot of research to say that our gut bacteria are actually responsible for our cravings. So that's a really interesting Mm. kind of pathway of research that makes sense yeah it makes so sense. you want it to be kind of thriving at its best yeah so, so then it if you're control yeah so if you're fe- feeding it lots of sugary foods it's um it's going to want that yeah essentially so f- um sugar feeds the bad bacteria or pathogenic bacteria mm-hmm. in your gut um and kind of allows them to pl- proliferate <laughs> and then that craving just continues to come back mm. and so speaking of bad and good bacteria <laughs> what are your thoughts on probiotics and prebiotics oh. Um, Laura yeah so again this is a really complicated field and I think there's so much research but also we overcomplicate things so the whole philosophy um, of bad and good bacteria is maybe not so true it's how they work together and how they work with your body so while I might have an imbalance in one bacterial strain you might be completely different Um, so again it's everyone's so individual so when it comes to probiotics The ones that you buy in the supermarket or in the chemist, they often only carry one or two strains or species of bacteria. Mm. Um, So if you're popping one of those, if you're deficient in that specific strain or species of bacteria, great. It might help to kind of bulk up those numbers. But otherwise, if your gut's perfectly fine and you don't have a deficiency or, you know, your gut's in balance, then actually you might be taking too much of one strain Mm. or species of bacteria and it could throw things out of balance um so again it's just it's very very personal um and then i guess have you got any thoughts on like the refrigerated kinds and the ones that are on shelf so basically all it means if they're kept in the fridge is that they're more live so they say keep them in the fridge because probiotic bacteria like to be kept in cool conditions and if they're out in um in the cupboard or in the heat then they tend to die off But again, I mean, I'm no expert in that field, but there is research to say that, you know, dead bacteria actually have benefits as well. Um, Because essentially, if you're taking a live bacteria, it has to pass through your stomach and it has to pass through your intestine to kind of get to your large intestine to populate that bacteria. So it has to survive this whole long journey anyway. Um, So the likelihood is they're probably dead by the time they get there anyway. Interesting. That's really cool. Um, okay, so we're kind of ping-ponging around here, but going back, <laughs> like so many questions, going back to um, how you're saying you don't really eat processed foods and stuff, are there any healthy treats, sorry, out there that we think are healthy but they not, might not be? Like, you know, when you go into the health food store and you're like, I bought all this stuff and mm. then you're like, why am I putting on weight or why am I not, why am I feeling like this? What's the go there? Yeah. So again, a lot of it is to do with, I think, so many of us snack too much. Um, So we kind of, we think a lot about our main meals, but then we don't really count up all the stuff that we're eating in between. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason. But the other thing is packet food, I don't know, I'm quite (laughs) rigid on my stance on it. I just think if it's not real food, don't eat it. Mm, Um, That's good. Simple, easy. Yeah. I just think it takes the confusion away. And while these days there's certainly more options when it comes to packaged foods and they're not as, you know, not everything's terrible, um, I think it all comes down to the fact that so many people don't know how to read a food label. So essentially it could be saying um, natural, healthy, you know, <laughs> bliss balls on the front, but then you turn it over and it's just full of sugar and it's the sugar that's going to make everything um I guess harder to digest it's not great for your gut it makes you fat it makes you sick um so if you flip over the food label the first thing you kind of want to look for is the ingredients list so on the ingredients list legally um, manufacturers have to list ingredients in the order of you know how much is in the food so the most abundant ingredient will be first often you'll see sugar or one of the many many names for sugar in the first few ingredients so that should be the first red flag Mm -hmm. um the other thing is if 
the ingredients list is, you know, 30 ingredients long, that can't be good for you either. Or if there's what we call like frankenfoods or numbers and things that you can't even pronounce. Additive. Yeah, just put it down because it's just not even food. Mm. Um, The second bit is to look at the nutritional panel and it's really overwhelming, but you kind of just need to forget all the stuff you've learned about calories. So the only thing you really need to look for on a label is the sugar. So if you go down to the sugar content, the first column will say how much sugar is per serve. So it might say, you know, 2.5 grams of sugar per serve. And you're like, oh, that's not that much. That's fine. But then you look at the serving size and it might say 25 grams. And you have to question, am I just going to eat 25 grams of these chips or half a muesli bar in one sitting? And the, you know, the likelihood is probably not. So what's actually better is to look at the per 100 grams column. Um, And anything, you know, the World Health Organization, I think their recommendations is we should have maybe six teaspoons of sugar a day. And we're all astounding. Yeah, and we're all having twice, three times, four times the amount. Fruit as well. Yeah, it's just in everything. So you want to look at that per hundred grams, and anything kind of between five and ten grams, anything over that is just really, really high sugar content. So you should just put it down. Mm. Um, But it's in everything. I think that's the thing. Sugar is in everything, and we just we just can't escape it. We can't escape it. So you don't. Count calories. What What are your thoughts no, on that? I I definitely don't. As, yeah, as I say, it's not really my philosophy at all. And I think as women, particularly, we're so concerned about our calorie intake, we really overthink. And I'm guilty of this too. We <laughs> overthink what we put in our mouth, and we have this good calories, bad calories. How many calories have I eaten? Um, and it just it just means nothing really. Um. You know, you could pick up something that says low fat, 115 calories on the front, but then you turn it over and it's got, you know, 30 grams of sugar in it. And that sugar is going to cause more inflammation in your body. You're also going to be really hungry after eating it. Um, So you're better off focusing on nutritional value. So nutrient dense, whole foods that are going to keep you feeling satisfied and full for the rest of the day. You often do hear the term um, empty calories and it's... Mm. Essentially, I guess, if if someone was calorie counting and we have all done it, uh, eating something that looks like a big filling meal but the calorie count, Mm. it might be high but you're starving after. You don't have your proteins and Mm. your your carbs, et cetera. Yeah. So I think that's the most important thing. You can can eat a a huge bowl of lettuce (laughs) um, and think it's, you know, (laughs) low calorie. Um, but without the addition of healthy fats and lean protein, yeah, you're going to be balance. starving five minutes later. And there's no nutrients in there's it. There's just like no nutrients water. in it, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's all those nutrients that you need to, I guess, keep your gut running smoothly. And then all those nutrients that you need for your skin to look beautiful and your hair to be great and your mental health and everything. What are some of the most nutritious foods out there that people can get behind? like picking a favorite child (laughs) um again I think it comes down to healthy fats I'm a big proponent of eating fat um I think we shy away from it especially as women but there is nothing wrong with eating avocados and this whole low avocado thing that they're growing at the moment it's freaking me out what's that what I think it's in the states I'm not sure if it's here yet but they're literally breeding low calorie avocados which is changing changing with (laughs) um but yeah, so avocados, I mean, every day I'm one of those boring people who is quite happy to eat the same thing day in, day out. But, you know, I'll often have a salad for lunch, which will be a huge handful of rocket, which just happens to be my favorite green. Um, mm. And then some salmon or mackerel, goat's cheese, because everything tastes better with goat's cheese. Oh, I <laughs> um, love this meal. Avocado, olive oil, apple cider vinegar. Learned my vinegar from uh, Kelsey over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that keeps me feeling full because it's got all the healthy fats in it. That sounds really tasty. It does. Sounds good. Um, Let's talk oils. So you mentioned that you have olive oil in your salad. This is going back to calorie counting, so apologies. But, you know, what's the best oil to cook with? What Because kind of like if you're counting calories, olive oil on your salad is like over 100 cows. So for someone that's trying to lose weight or something, that's quite a big deal. Is there – is that one of the healthiest oils that you could consume cold? Like, is it good yeah. to cook with? What's what's the go? 
you know, experts are kind of divided on the whole which oils to cook with. Um, I cook with olive oil, but again, I think as long as you're not burning the oil, then right. it should be fine. Um, I really love cooking with ghee, butter, mm, coconut yes. oil. Um, they're all really healthy fats. I think what you want to steer clear of is your trans fats and refined vegetable oils because essentially they're just so highly processed and they cause inflammation in the body. So just steer clear of is, those refined oils. Is ghee um, clarified butter or yeah, so it is? Yeah, ghee is essentially clarified butter. So I think it comes from the Ayurvedic tradition. Uh, yeah. So they essentially, I think, heat it up to the point where milk solids are removed. So it's a much purer form of the butter. So you can um, heat it to higher temperatures. And it's also got a really nice buttery, nutty almost flavor. But it's, mm. Yeah, it's delicious. We wanted to talk nuts and they are so calorie dense. Um, Kelsey and I were looking at some image and of comparison, which also included that olive oil tablespoon, which is – and so three Brazil nuts is also 100 cows, not to keep bringing it back to calories. But we just want to crack open the deal of why they're so good for us and um, and what is your best bet if you want to snack on them. I um, love nuts. And, again, the calorie thing, I do understand. Like if you're trying to lose weight, you don't want to be eating handfuls and handfuls mm. and handfuls of nuts because calories are still calories. But you have to think about them in terms of the nutrition that you're getting out of them. So you're eating 100 calories of nuts or you could eat 100 calories of low-fat, I don't know, rice crackers or whatever. But what's in those rice crackers? Absolutely nothing. In a handful of nuts, you're getting so many vitamins and minerals. They're a really good source of healthy fats, which is obviously good for brain function and heart function. Um, but they're a really good source of fiber too, which is really great for your gut bacteria and your microbiome. Um, in terms of the types of nuts, raw nuts are definitely best. You don't want anything salted or flavored because then you're just adding extra additives, um, extra calories if you are trying to avoid those extra calories. I love Brazil nuts, um, but I am just not a fan of these restricted diets who say you can have two <laughs> Brazil nuts a day or six almonds. I just think that's ridiculous. If you don't trust yourself, like I sometimes don't, with an open bag and you're just going to eat, 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 then portion them out beforehand. Um, otherwise, a small handful of nuts is just not going to do you any harm at all. You're going to yeah. get so many benefits from it. Or like the little lunchbox size. Boxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get those. Um, what about roasted nuts? I've heard that they're a bit hard to digest. Is it better to have like a pre-soaked nut or just a, just a regular nut over like the, <laughs> the roasted nut? Um, so if, if you just have a raw nut or a roasted nut, they still have um, like the phytic acid and the kind of external layer of the nut on there. And for some people, that's really difficult to digest. So I guess that's where that trend of activating and soaking your nuts has come from because in, in traditional cultures, they did used to soak all their grains and soak all their nuts and that removes that really kind of tough outer layer of the nut and makes it more easily digestible. Um, so definitely if you've got gut health issues, then that's something you can try. Um, but again, everyone's everyone's really different. So you might have a handful of nuts and you know feel awful afterwards and maybe that's just a sign that you need to tune into your body and go, okay, I can't have... <laughs> 10 Brazil nuts I can have two or I can have a few every other day and I feel okay let's talk about dining out what in terms of eating you know well-balanced healthy meals what is say you're at like a Thai restaurant or we could even do like pizza or something what are some things to look for that are really really bad for you are there certain sources or ingredients or the way things are cooked that you that people should avoid mm. I guess I have two opinions on this. The first is that comes back to my whole philosophy of eating intuitively. If you're going to eat out, you want to enjoy it. So I think if you're eating healthily most of the time, you shouldn't be too kind of hard on yourself if you're eating out and you want to indulge in something that you really feel like. Again, if you're at a restaurant and you just don't know what to order, that's when you need to take a breath and go, right, how am I going to feel if I eat this dish over this dish and go, okay, I'm going to choose option B because I know I'm going to feel really good afterwards. But again, just don't feel guilty if you want to indulge, indulge. In saying that, if you are trying to pick the healthy options, I think eating out is a bit of a minefield. So you don't know what ingredients they're cooking with in the kitchen. Um, they won't be cooking with butter and olive oil because vegetable oils and refined oils are just much cheaper and you can buy them in bulk. So unless you specifically request them to cook your food in butter or ghee or olive oil, you just kind of have to, that's part and parcel with eating out. And the same thing with sauces. So Thai is notoriously high in sugar. Obviously, they use a lot of palm sugar in their cooking. 
a lot of the sauces that they use are really high in sugar, but that's why they taste delicious. Um, So if you're really unsure, pick something simple. So look at the menu and go, right, what has the least amount of ingredients? And when in doubt, just stick to, you know, protein and veg. So steak's really good, vegetables, salad, things like that. Steer clear of things, you know, maybe stir fry or pasta, which have a lot more ingredients in them. So I'm not sure if you've seen, but in um, this month's L magazine, there is an article on busy bloat, and you touched on it a little bit earlier about uh, mindlessly eating. So the article spoke about a lot about how uh, busy our lives are, and you know we've double booked ourselves with work commitments, social commitments, stress to look a certain way. Um, so much so that we're sabotaging our gut or our digestive system. So even if you are eating everything or thinking that we're doing the right things, um, your body is still responding in this busy bloat. So, yeah, do you? I guess, yeah, I think I kind of took from it because it kind of related to my issues. But they're also saying that although it does have things to do with your eating such as when you eat alone, you tend to eat faster or you eat more because you're obviously eating mindlessly. Um, But then it's got kind of more to do with your lifestyle work-life balance, like Steph said, but they also say that skipping a meal or consuming less, a.k.a. fasting, can contribute because your digestion slows down altogether, becomes inactive, leading you to bloat more the next time you eat. Um, What's... Like, yeah, so they're just saying that this is what's contributing to the bloat. Is this an old thing that they're just putting a new spin Mm. on? Bloating's a really tough one. I haven't read the article, but bloating, especially for women, is really complex. I mean, our hormones and our cycles have a lot to do with bloating. You know, those days when you just wake up and feel like you've got five kilos of fluid on Mm. you and just feel ick and bloated for absolutely no reason. I mean, a lot of it has to do with hormones, and that's why at certain times of the month we just feel icky. Um, but when it comes to food, bloating does have a lot to do with our digestion. And like what I said before, it's not just what you eat, but what you're digesting. And if you have an underlying gut health issue or leaky gut or something like that, and you're not absorbing and assimilating the nutrients that you need, then your gut will bloat. Um, but there are just so many causes. It's not just, yeah, it's, there's just not, it's not just food, you know, stress has such a huge impact on our gut and vice versa, you know, our gut can make us stressed too. That inflammatory response can cause stress in the body. So cortisol is the stress hormone and that comes in from your gut. So if you're feeling stressed and you're kind of overbooking yourself and flying by the seat of your pants the whole time, you're just going to be exhausted and your gut's going to be exhausted and you will bloat. Um, What else? I mean, over-exercising can have the same effect. So While exercising is good in the sense that it releases good hormones like endorphins, it also raises your cortisol levels. So if you're over-exercising and punishing yourself, that could contribute to bloat as well. I think that is such a common thing, um, speaking to friends and other girls and whatnot. Mm. Um, We do exercise and it tends to be a habit of females to stress so much about what they are eating and if they are calorie counting and if they are exercising enough and if exercising, what exercise they're going to do. And um, so, yeah, I guess those spikes in cortisol I did read definitely um, affects all your fitness goals. You might even be going backwards. Yeah, definitely. So Definitely. Everyone's got um, a different kind of disposition. So running for you might work really well. But for me, I find like if I run a lot, my weight doesn't change at all. It does nothing. I mean, it's great. I, I enjoy it for mental health reasons, mm. but I don't do – I don't go for a run for weight reasons. Um, And I think women in particular, we just carry around this food guilt or this exercise guilt, you know, (laughs) and that does have a subconscious effect on our bodies and our gut. I think we put so much pressure um, on ourselves as women. I'm I'm sure men do too. There is an Instagram meme floating around. It was floating around a while ago. It's just various frazzled looking people or it was even Kendall Jenner just crying on the lounge and it says me trying to excel in my career maintain a social life drink enough water exercise text everybody back stay sane survive and be happy like we can't do it all we can't do it all or at least can't do it all at the same time but you know the the flip side of that is that 
equally when it comes to wellness practices and self-care and all that, we place so much pressure on ourselves to do everything. You know, we should all be exercising every day and eating really well and meditating and journaling and practicing gratitude. And that kind of builds a stress in itself. You know, if you're not ticking those boxes, then you feel like you're failing. Spiritual burnout. Exactly. (laughs) We're already there. (laughs) (laughs) On a lighter note, Ash, you work at The Beauty Chef. How does that align with your beliefs and give us a little bit of an insight into what supplements you take? Mm. Um, I love working at The Beauty Chef. I'm really lucky to kind of have the job that I do. As I said before, my personal interest in health and wellness has interjected, sorry, intersected with my professional life. Um, And The Beauty Chef's philosophy aligns perfectly with my own, really, the gut being the root of our overall health and well-being. Um, and of course I do take the beauty chef products and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge supplement person. I've gone through phases in my life of trying different things, but what I really love about the beauty chef is that everything's made from, you know, organic or biodynamic whole food sources. So, you know, the glow powder, for instance, um, is just full of organic whole food ingredients that have then been biofermented with their exclusive fermentation process. So essentially it supercharges all the ingredients, makes them more bioactive, makes them more easily digestible by the body, um, and they taste pretty good too. Yeah, Kelso gave me that one. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you have also, everyone, Ash has agreed very nicely to give us a little um, day on the plate uh, essentially posting thing. We'll be featuring a selection of her favourite go-to nourishing balanced meals on our Listen to Bad and Busy Instagram stories for you guys to check out. Also some info behind the why and maybe the when to eat certain foods. Is that right? Ash, do you want to take us through what you would eat on a regular weekend? Ooh, weekend is good. Yeah, Ash yeah. always cooks up a storm and I'm always and I know you love a little coffee and a little brekkie. Yeah. 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 So what's a naughty oh just what's a regular weekend? Yeah. Fuck naughty. Like what do you eat? <laughs> I am definitely far more um relaxed on the weekend. I just kind of go with the flow of it. And I think I eat quite seasonally, especially when it comes to breakfast. So at the moment, I am a huge fan of scrambled eggs, and I have that with ghee and a little bit of turmeric. Mm. Um, or if we eat out, I'll definitely go for something like avocado toast, <laughs> classic city breakfast. Yeah. Um, love my coffee too, so I drink a long black every day. But I have to say that in the weekend, you know, a cheese platter does feature regularly on the Instagram as a yeah. lunch. So I definitely don't deprive myself in the weekend. Again, I do try to eat intuitively and not feel guilty about it. So, yeah, yeah I'd say a cheese platter is on high rotation, especially at the moment. Um, and then the weekend is the opportunity I take to kind of get into the kitchen and maybe cook something more laborious that I don't have time to do during the week. So we might do a nice pulled pork or a pork belly or a big roast chicken on a Sunday night so there's enough for leftovers for the week, mm. um, something like that. Yeah. I think that's being pretty mindful, um, like you say, to cook something laborious. It's taking the time to appreciate the ingredients and just slowly cook, not just get fast food and eat it straight away and not even think about, you know, what am I putting into it and this will flavour it in this way and, and whatnot. Slow cooking. It's like a nice hobby as well. Yeah. Love cooking. What about, actually, I don't know. If, no, well, we did touch on this. So I can't have salads at the moment. I can't have these cold foods. I've got to eat warming foods. Um, what what can I eat? What can't help me? So if you've got gut health issues, um, what you want to do is stick to easy to digest foods. And that's probably why your practitioner has said steer clear of raw foods, steer clear of cold salads, cold water and things like that. So you want things that are easily digested, easily assimilated by the body. So soups which is not that appealing when it's still really hot weather but slow cooked um slow cooked foods and stews which are also partially broken down already um warm cooked vegetables are far more easily digested than raw veggies which can be quite tough on your gut if you do have gut health issues um smoothies but again if you want to put vegetables in them you can also pre-cook them first and then put them in i was going to ask you about smoothies yeah smoothies are fucking cheeky but Yes. Like you can be racking up the counts. 
Yes. I know we keep talking about calories, <laughs> but I think no, it's true. Smoothies and, can be the devil. Yeah, and I think people think they're having a smoothie for breakfast mm. and they're having the healthy option, but you know, you're throwing in a banana and a handful of mango and yogurt and honey and milk. And you're going, actually, that's a ton of sugar. And it all comes back to sugar. I know I harp on about sugar all the time. But um, even though sugar in fruit is natural, it's fructose. And that's the part of sugar which is inflammatory. It's metabolized differently by the body, unlike glucose, which we use readily for energy. So fructose is the bit that causes inflammation and can make you fat and sick, essentially. Um, So if you're having banana and yogurt, which is often full of sugar, that's a sneaky culprit. Um, and honey, you know, you could be overdosing in one sip. Oh, I swear mm-hmm. some people live off those smoothies. Like, yeah. Why can't I? <laughs> um, and then when it comes to alcohol, what are you drinking? I'm not a huge drinker. Um, I do love a good glass of red wine. So I might have a couple of glasses of red wine in the weekend. Um, it does depend on the weather, though, you know, in the warmer weather. Pinot Gris, maybe. Mm. <laughs> but again, I'm, yeah, look, alcohol's got sugar in it. It's not like, yeah, it's not always going to be, you know, it's not healthy to binge on alcohol, but a glass here and there is not going to hurt you. Another thing we wanted to ask you was, um, Steph and I are both avid fans or not fans of intermittent fasting. So we both do the 16, eight Or what do you do? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. As well as. So skip breakfast and then, um, do the five, two as well. What are your thoughts on fasting? Fasting, um, I'm kind of on the fence about, to be honest. I think it's something that's widely misunderstood. It's another one of those wellness trends that has just taken off. And while there are definitely benefits for some people, you know, people say it's great for weight loss, they feel much clearer mentally, um, more energy, things like that. I think it doesn't work for everyone. And I think women particularly need to be really careful Um, obviously the most well-known is that five, two, you know, where you have two days of 500 calories for me personally, that doesn't really align with my philosophy on eating intuitively because then you are, you're basically just counting up absolutely everything you eat. And I think you fall into the trap of eating low fat kind of Franken foods that, um, you know, I'm going to pick up this yogurt, which says it's a hundred calories, but really there's no nutritional value in that. And then you're hungry five minutes later. And then because you know you can only have 500 calories on those days, maybe the other days you're overcompensating and going, right, now's my chance to go crazy. Um, So 5-2, I think, you know, can work for some people, but I think it does kind of train you into that mindset of counting up absolutely everything that you eat, which I don't think is healthy. Um, Intermittent fasting, there's obviously different ways to do it. Our bodies naturally fast overnight you know, we're born to do that. So if you find that you can fast for 12 hours or 14 hours or 16 hours and feel great and then have a really nourishing meal, I think that's perhaps a healthier way to do fasting because you don't have that mentality of, oh, I'm, you know, deprived and I can only have 500 calories today. In saying that though, for women, it is just really tough because while there are definitely health benefits, it can also have the opposite effect on your health. Our hormones are very complex. Our hormones as women are dynamic and ever-changing. Um, and so if you're having irregular periods or missing your period completely or feeling really bloated or feeling really low in energy or fatigued, or even it can cause gut health issues too because your gut just is thrown completely out of whack, Um, then it might not work for you. So I think it all comes down to listening to your body. But if you're experiencing adverse symptoms, then perhaps fasting's not kind of the be-all and end-all. Does that answer your questions, I guess, about fasting? It does. With um, fasting, just touching back on that, um, it can, or there's an article that says that it can, once you start eating again, your body can't, your metabolism's already slowed down too much. Is is that what's more on that? I think for some people, yes, definitely. Um, because I think we've grown up with this culture of, oh, if I just eat less and move more, I'll lose weight. So essentially by eating less, we are fasting. We're starving our body. And sometimes that makes our cortisol levels increase and our whole body just freaks out and holds on to the nutrition that it's already got. So when you start eating again, it thinks, oh gosh, I better hold on to this nutrition because I don't know when I'm going to be deprived again. Storing it. Yeah, absolutely. So while for some people they can fall 
into ketosis and you know fasting is really beneficial for other people their body just does not respond in that way and almost has the opposite effect um so you might even put on weight or Mm. you know your gut freaks out Mm what so talking about keto I know you said you don't know much about it and you haven't done it is it something that's dangerous if people are wanting to fall into ketosis what does that actually mean ketosis essentially means that you're running off ketones so you're just using a different source of fuel to energize yourself so um, people who follow ketogenic diets obviously have far less carbohydrate intake and rely more on the healthy fats to run their body and fuel their body. Um, in terms of if it's dangerous, as I say, I'm I'm no doctor and I'm not an expert in it, but I have read research where it does affect women quite differently. It does interfere with your hormones. Um, so my advice is if you want to try ketosis is to work with a health practitioner who can kind of guide you through the process and you know, have blood tests, see what <laughs> what nutrient deficiencies that you have, um, see what nutrition your body actually needs before you decide to just cut everything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Okay. okay. <laughs> yep. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ash. Thank You're welcome. You. This has been so one insightful, two fun, but yeah. you are a wealth of knowledge. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm Thank sure you. we'll get you back here <laughs> if you're coming <laughs> for an update. To, um... Let's talk about base oils and my new favorite foundation. It's Kosas and it gives you an A-grade glow. Um, they, I think it's at Mecca now, but this is the – I bought it in New York um, from Goop. And this is the one that, like, Jess Gomes always talks about and, like, Gwyneth Paltrow, obviously. Um, they all wear it. And it's a tinted oil. So you don't have to put anything over the top of it? No. It's not oily oily? No, it's an oil. It's a tinted oil. No, but is it, like, a dry oil? Does um, it make you look oily? No. Yeah, it's like glowy. Oh, but it's meant to be worn. As You're going out the in the day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you can wear it in the night. Oh, stop. Are you dumb? Kelsey just said, let's talk about my new favorite foundation. And then I was like, what do you mean? Is it an oil? <laughs> it's a foundation. Anyway, it's really good, guys. So um, I even doubled it. Um, I even put a face oil on underneath it and then put the oil on top. But wow. my skin just soaks up oils like there's no tomorrow. No, it's a healthy glow. You're always very dewy. Thank you. Not oily. Thanks. Mm. Well, you can put some mattifying powder or maybe even powder, but you could just in those zones. Oil. Yeah, wherever. Mm. Like, do that for sure. But I think everyone – I don't like matte makeup personally. No. Um, when you get okay. your makeup done, um, rarely, not you, but they love a – they love – powders and that some people still bake Ugh. with powders and I can just see all the powder attached to your your face I peach fuzz. Sometimes it looks great on people and like obviously like for certain occasions and stuff you need to wear those kind of formulas but I also am just a big fan of like dewy natural yeah. skin. I don't like don't do an Instagram face. Like if that works for you that's great but I just don't have the time or the skill. Um, mm. so an oil that just looks like you're not wearing anything and still gives you hydration and a beautiful glow is something that I'm definitely after and I can't recommend that enough and that's not spawn. So if you want to products, I'm here. Um, but you're also a fan of face oils in terms of skincare, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so I think you would have gotten me onto them probably cause you get me onto most stuff, but, um, I reckon back in the day, everyone was like, if you have oily or combo skin, do not put oil on your face. But now... They really uh, don't be fooled. They help balance dry combo or oily skin. Um, And, yeah, I mix them. I'm mixing it into my moisturizer at the moment because it's a bit chalky. But Or you can also mix them into your foundation, which I guess would give you that Kosas uh, glow because it would make your foundation more oily. But I love um, go-to face hero. I'm not even going to pick up on that tone um what we love it contains no parabens pgs whatever they are mineral oils petroleum (laughs) synthetic colors or animal testing um but just yeah 
No. No nasties. No nasties. Yeah. Let me cut back up to you. Um, I I think face oils work for lots of skin types. I think people get scared if they if they are oily because they think that it's going to make them worse. But um, nowadays that's just not the case. So there's they're full of hydrating ingredients, antioxidants. Um, they're great for anti aging. They, you know, the new formulations and new generation of face oils absorb really well into the skin. Mm. Um, I would choose like a good oil should be plant based because it's food for your skin. It's also high in all those like fatty essential acids and lipids and things that are great for plumping up the skin, um, pumping out wrinkles, fine lines, etc. Mm. Um, and if you want more slip, just put in a little bit onto a, onto your face when when it's damp after washing, and that'll kind of help it absorb more. Like you don't need to put on a whole. Um, Dollop Pip- of it. Yeah, yeah, don't put a full pipette if you don't want to. Um, so you're saying put it on when my face is wet? Yeah, or, like or not wet? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Same with your body oils and your body moisturizers. Oh, they. Yeah, you're right. They kind of um, suck in way too fast, and like before you even get halfway up well, your shin. Well, the best time to to moisturize is when you just get out of the shower and you're still damp, um, because your body is. The, the from the warmth from the water, you can absorb. Well, no, it's it. no. more about absorbing that moisture and um, oh, locking it in, locking in that hydration. Exactly. Yeah, right. Um, something I learned about the um, go-to oil, but also the face hero. Sorry, was that it contains rosehip. Um, but a big thing that I learned um, along the way is that a lot of store-bought rosehip oils, which rosehip oil is in the go-to face hero oil, um, that you buy or they're sitting on the store shelf, they're already rancid or off. So they need to be mixed with um, certain, like I think it's calendula or Brazil nut oil, Annika, that kind of keep them, what would you call them, a natural, what's that word? Preservative. Ding. Mm, so um, they really, how to know, I was reading, um, they do need to be that bright, vibrant yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, they go really pale if they're rancid or off. So, And when you open it, you need to use it by a certain date. Uh, yeah. Don't keep them sitting there. You should put them on your face. Speaking of Jess Gomes, I know I brought her up again. Mm. But last year I interviewed her and we shot her for um, a cover and I was asking her, like interviewing her about all her beauty um, go-tos and products and whatnot and she I was like what do you do when you have a bad hair day and she was like I put on a fucking Prada bucket hat and I'm like yeah you do <gasps> um, and I have just been looking recently at all the street style from fashion week and they're just everywhere yes um, I guess they off are. the back of our hair clips chat last week more mm. more head accessories are gonna wrap mm. up um the end of summer or beginning of autumn really it's, it's autumn now hey? it is so Everyone's going to be wearing bucket hats. Like Dior has sick leather ones. Yes. I think they're even bringing back kind of that tartan. The burb. Yeah, yeah, the burberry. Have a good one. Even ASOS have some sick they ones They have too, fun actually. ones. Um, then you can get like I saw um, Tash Sefton. You can wear more structured ones that are made out of um, what you have some. Like it must be bamboo or something. You have that. Oh, right. Like a woven mm, material. material. So. Um, I reckon coming off the back, like you said, of our hair clips talk, that it all sounds very 90s, hair clips, mm. scrunchies, bucket hats. What's next? Um, I love, yeah, good headbands as well, hey. <gasps> no, that's true. Mm. That wasn't on our notes, but mm. headbands, the ones with those. Um, the big ones. They're kind of not in the middle. Yeah, cute. I think that's, uh, and also our big statement earrings. Yeah, it's all happening on your head. Mm. A head. Speaking of head, oh, um, yeah, we're going to talk about um, because oh, everyone's talking about Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Oh, so over, like, so over. Um, but can we talk about Irina's bob? Oh, the blunt bob. Oh, it was fabulous. Like, mm. Why isn't anyone talking about that? Mm. It looked good. Um, Charlize Theron also went so brunette and sharp and short. She looked great. A little bit um, moody, broody, mm. that whole outfit. Yeah, like that sort of pale mm. blue, which was quite chic. Mm. But, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about 
Last week, oh. I was like, last week I was like, I'm going to cut my hair like Jacinta now. I'm like, I want to cut my hair like Irina. Is the blunt bob back in fashion? If yes. it is, Kelsey's all over it. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, we're going to wrap up this week. <laughs> we're, a bit, yeah. we're a bit tired. A little bit sleepy. We're a little bit sleepy. Yeah, I've had my acupuncture and I'm a bit, a bit wacko, spacko, I'm a bit yeah. spacey. Maybe. I'm just picking up on your energy or I I'm just. I think we probably are, but we also did a big interview. This morning, so mm. we're a bit tired. But this week we're drinking. What are we drinking, Stefan? Today, Margie's. But um, we've added a little aloe in there. It tastes so yummy. Mm. Kelsey's abstaining until. Yeah, I can't drink because my acupuncture. Lol. Until uh, later. So, sorry, my Margie has tequila, fresh lime, aloe vera juice. Very, that's hydrating, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And. We don't have a Natty Wine of the Week. I did see one that I wanted to get for today. Mm. It was called Funny Nat. It's off Drunks. Mm. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Drinks. Drinks without the I? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm such a judge of bottle by its label. Oh, it's beautiful think, and fun. I think it's hard not to be though, hey. I mean, I could see through into the wine. The wine looks amazing too. So. But even like going to Dan Murphy's, I'm like, that looks shit. That looks yeah, like the, I'm not looking at the price. I'm looking at the bottle. Yeah, so that bad. bottle's completely pitch black. I don't know what. I'm yeah, I'm like, at. Oh, that, that's not going to go. That's not going to work for me. Yeah, um, and we'll give a little shout out to our next episode, guys. Um, we are going to have the fabulous Jessica Pecoraro. So exciting, stylist to the stars. Yeah, um, we're going to be chatting to her um, about how you know everything from styling yourself to styling buddy. Georgia Fowler and, and the crew. And Jacinta. Um, yeah. We're very excited about that one. Yeah, going to pick her brains. She's going to give us some hot tips. She can weigh in on this bucket hat situation. Yes, actually she can. Mm. And also like what trends to try and what not to buy and stuff coming into autumn, winter. Mm, very true. Thanks, guys. Over and out. Chat later. Mm.